0: I'm sure you've heard the slogan, united we stand, divided we fall. But in the circles of Christian faith, we oftentimes do things individualistically or selfishly or solo. Why is that? Well, today we're gonna to be discovering how we can unite together as one body in Christ. So turn to First Corinthians chapter 12, and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you, as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we're podcast 249. And we're going to be finishing 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we're going to be looking at the second part of where we left things off last time. As always, if you've missed any previous podcast, make sure you get it wherever you download or listen to your podcast and leave us a review. And let us know how this ministry is helping you not only stand strong in your faith, but how you are growing in Christ around your community, in your family, your marriage, whatever the case may be, we'd love to hear about it. You can go to standstrawministries.org and click on the contact button there or info at standstrawministries.org. And by the way, while you're there, we have great resources made available for you guys. Now, as we're transitioning in this portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me tell you guys about a sponsor that I've been working with for almost I think 10 years and it's summit ministries. You can go to summit.org and you want to talk about a place where my own personal family through the years, as I've gone there to teach young people that are in high school or that are in college, we even do uh, parenting and grandparenting and pastor seminars. We do these base camps summit ministries is a world class organization that is designed to help men and women, grow in their faith, to defend the faith when it comes to history, not just apologetics, but science, in law, in marriage, and sexuality. It's it's an amazing place. And I'm so thankful that we have them sponsoring a lot of the things that we are doing, not only here on Stand Strong in the Word, but in the ministry itself of Stand Strong Ministries. So here's a great thing I want to share with you guys before we dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have someone who's 16 to about 22 years old and you want them to have an experience of their lifetime, to grow in God's word and to be able to be sharpened in their understanding of the Christian faith and to articulate it in the cancel culture that we live in today, this is the place for you. And if you go to summit.org forward slash stand strong and you put in standstrong24, You get $200 off. That is a voucher that I'm encouraging you guys to use. Summit.org forward slash StandStrong. Put in the voucher code StandStrong24. You get $200 off. And let me know if you guys have any questions. We love to fill these things and I forward them to the staff at Summit. If you want to get engaged and you want to learn, if you're a young person, you're within that age of 16 to 25 Man, reach out to us. Let us know how we can get you plugged into Summit Ministries. So I want you guys to know about that because these are great ministries helping us grow in our knowledge and love and appreciation of God's word. So with that being said, you guys, let's now turn to First Corinthians chapter 12 and let's dive right into this portion about one body with many members. So I'm going to read verses 12 through 31. This is what Paul writes. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less of of a member of the body. composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, And various kinds of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all possess gifts of healing do all speak the tongues do all interpret but earnestly desire the higher gifts and then Paul closes by stating and I will show you a still more excellent way Man, I am stoked to jump into this because as I've been studying it personally and just as a pastor through the years and raising four kids and having, I cannot tell you how many conversations through the years about spiritual gifts. This is going to be fascinating. Now, let me just do something briefly. And again, if you missed the previous or you did listen, but you forgot some of the details, I encourage you guys maybe to pause, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 verses 1 through 10. And 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 kind of just digest, or excuse me, verse eleven, and digest this whole thing. Because remember, on the basis of what Paul's talking about, spiritual gifts are God given gifts, and they're to be exercised in service of others. And we are not to be uninformed. We're not to be ignorant, right? We're not to be in error or to be mistaken. That's the Greek word, agneo. It, it, it's where we get the word agnostic from. Kind of breaks into that terminology without knowledge. So we, we are to have the knowledge and the ability to understand what God is doing in and through a believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with that being said, remember, there were three things that we saw in verses four through six that deals with the varieties of gifts, the varieties of service, and the varieties of activities. So we have the distribution. That's the, the different kinds and portions of the gifts. And then we have the ministration Uh, where we have the word serve, how they're being served into the body, how they're being delivered. So there's distribution from the Holy Spirit accordingly. And that's his sovereign will and power over his believers. I don't determine what my spiritual gifts are, neither do you. But when we say, okay, Lord, these are what you've given me, I need to serve. I need to minister them to the people around me. And then the last thing we saw, in the last podcast in verse six is about the activities. And this describes the outward working and the the manifestation, the results of what comes. So when we trust the Holy Spirit, who's given us these gifts, and number two, we minister, we serve people in those gifts, we will see the results. We will see the manifestations because remember, this is so important. The word empowers, that is, the the term that implies a powerful operation. So even though we are exercising our spiritual gifts, God is the one who has given them, specifically the third person, the Trinity. He distributed them to us. He uses us to administer them. And the operation, the results of them is through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, that my friends puts it into context because now as we exercise these gifts, we are, again, the representation, we are a body. So what Paul does now is he explains how the shared baptism, the Holy Spirit unites us into one body, into Christ. And this is important because all the members of the body, okay, so you think about your even your own local church. And I've been in big churches and small churches, but it doesn't matter. There are a variety of people. There's more than one. And the body there in that local church that represents again the universality right so they're just broken up geographically uh, through history but when you take it together it's the the universal church so this is not just about the organizational side of the church this is about the organism and that's why Paul's using the word body here so what he does is he he transitions and he uses baptism as an, a way to emphasize the foundational unity of the church Okay. So just like we're baptized, baptized into one body, we are baptized into the spirit as one body in Christ. And this is the foundational unity and it transcends individual backgrounds or social divisions. If you've been around the Christian faith for quite some time, you realize that, you know what? It doesn't matter. Someone's background, Jesus Christ died for that soul. And when the time comes when they put their faith and trust in Jesus, you can be, if you look around in the body of believers, you can see diversity. and It's not always ethnicity, the diversity within ethnicity. Even though that's a beautiful thing, there's going to be different tribes, tongues, and nationalities that are represented in heaven. Christ does not show any favoritism. But when you look around, you see diversity among genders and backgrounds and social statuses and all kinds of things. And it's amazing when people came to Christ in their younger years or in their later years. Or somebody was a drug dealer, or somebody was living a debauchery life, and they came to Saving Faith. When you hear somebody who was homeschooled their whole life and went to, a, you know, a great Christian church where they served regularly and were on the mission field, and and God's using them. I mean, it, it, they're they're just different backgrounds. And so, interestingly enough, if you look at the context of what Paul's dealing with in that culture, the Greek and Roman philosophers, okay, they're very diverse not just in their personalities, but in their backgrounds and their education. And the and what's also interesting is that they too would use the body, but a way that they would portray the body was to show the state of hierarchy. Okay. Meaning just like in society, you know, there's different leaders and there's different uh, factions and responsibilities and duties, okay? And so people have a higher status. And so they would use the body as an example of that, just like when you point out like the, the, the head has the brain in it, right? And the intelligence. And so they would then show in a branch of government or in society, this is the intellect over here. So if you had the philosopher and so they would do that oftentimes. And so Paul, he does the same, but what's different is that he's using the analogy to draw out the diversity of each member in their functionality, but as one unit, okay, and that is so important. And in the Corinthians, they they in one way would have they would understood this, but they would also have been shocked shocked to hear this from Paul. What is he trying to say? What is he implying here? So this is what he does now. And, and shocking them with this analogy, again, it was common in that culture, but what he does notice in verse 13, you see he's talking about one spirit and that we're baptized into one body. And so there's no Jews or Greeks. Remember we, we've been talking about in Corinthians. So often they are so fixated on their social status. And yet the body of Christ Remember, we were just saying a minute ago, it represents different backgrounds. It represents different genders and ethnicities. And yet each member though distinct is united together through the Holy Spirit who's poured out on those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. You see this in John 1, 12. So this phrase baptize into one body, remember water baptism is a symbol of the inner working of the transformational work that comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul actually in Romans, he specifically used water baptism as a sign to point to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is talking about salvation. This is talking about becoming one in the spirit, okay? He said in Romans 6, 4, we are buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So that's what he's talking about, being baptized into one body. So if we are baptized, and this is also coincides with Ephesians chapter 4, where he says, you know, baptized in one faith, one body, one Lord. So this is the oneness, Okay. So that's why we're not to be uh, just exclusive on our own. When we come to Christ, we are to grow together. He's raised all of us from the dead by the glory of the father that we might walk in the newness of life. And when we walk in the newness of life, we're walking in oneness as the Trinity reflects that, that oneness, right? That's shared among uh, the persons of the Godhead. We are to be one as well. And so when he says made a drink of one's spirit this is a reference to the outpouring of the holy spirit in the believer's life. John the Baptist back in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 he had said that I baptize you with water right as a sign for you to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he said to the audience that there's one coming that is his cousin, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Okay, Christos, the anointed one. He says, "Who is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry?" He, he says in Matthew 3, 11, Jesus, the Messiah will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then elsewhere, if you actually look in Romans, in the previous chapter we read a minute ago, Romans 6, 4, but in Romans 5, 5, he, this is what Paul said about the Holy Spirit in a person's life, in a believer's life. Remember, you cannot be saved without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now you could become an ineffective Christian without the outpouring, without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and Paul tells us this in Romans 5:5 5, 5, the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts catch this through the holy spirit who has been given to us So the body does not consist of of a member but of many of one member but of many So in verse 14 here this is so interesting because this was a again another common Uh, analogy or parable that was used throughout philosophy and literature so once again this points to the brilliancy in the well verse knowledge that paul had in his culture and agrippa and livy he wrote a fable about body members if you look at socrates if you look at marcus aurelius they actually describe the absurdity um if the body revolted against one another, okay? So Paul's using the body analogy, okay, in, in in a way that is well taken. So again, without shocking like the previous thing using the body itself, when you start understanding the layers of this analogy, and he's talking about how each member makes up the body and is designed in a very special way, this makes sense to the audience and how they contribute to one another. So God... He's the one that has assigned each member of the church. So if you, if you think about your church and you think about the role and the functionality that you have in your church, a lot of times people tell me, look, I've been going to this church for a long time, yet we kind of pop around and serve here and there. And that is the sad uh, reality of a lot of churches. We do not, a lot of us, and again, I hate to be so cliche and throw out some generalizations, but The great thing in my background, doing this for 25 years, working with different denominations, I actually see how ineffective we become oftentimes in this, in in any denomination about how we not only involve, but how we partner and utilize the gifts that individuals have. But this is the cliche. We do a bad job, not only pointing out, but equipping people specifically in their spiritual gifts, in the times that we oftentimes get involved or we're serving, it's because there's a need or we're figuring things out or we have a passion for something. But remember, passions are not specifically always or automatically attached to a spiritual gift. So when we're talking about roles and functionalities, ask yourself, how are you being utilized? And the sad reality is a lot of people, they kind of point here and there, but they don't really see how, it's developing their spiritual gifts and how they're contributing to the totality of the body. And the also thing I'd say on the side is, we're all we're all we oftentimes do things to get attention, you know, from the leadership up top. This is what they wanted me to do, and I I want to do them a favor or I want to be noticed by them. But it doesn't mean that you're actually using your spiritual gifts. Now, sometimes you may be serving, and that's a good thing. But how are we really? functioning in our role as a member to strengthen the body. So just as a human body thrives on the varied functions of its diverse members, the members of Christ's church, each possessing unique spiritual gifts, we contribute together to fulfill God's overarching purpose. And so when he gets into this whole concept about the foot doesn't say, you know, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, or, you know, the ear doesn't smell and the eye, um, you know, doesn't smell either. It's the nose and so the ear doesn't see and the eye doesn't hear you know when we do that it, it, it we know that that's a complete disregard of the role that the members of the of each of our body play. And so when Paul says if if all were a single member, where would the body be? so let's let's elaborate on this analogy. Let's understand what what Paul's saying here to, to convey in a very important point because again, if we go back to the silo, mindset that we oftentimes have we're not being used and we're not contributing so again the body has many members and there are unique functions so right now is is when we put out this podcast produces podcasts this this is in, in in one way one of my spiritual gifts that the holy spirit has given me to exercise to honor him to serve you my faithful brothers and sisters in christ not everybody has the ability or the gift, but just like many of you guys who contribute, who pray, who have the gift of faith, the gift of edification, the gift of administration. I mean, there are people who have those gifts that help me do the ministry that God's called me to do. And together we're representing as one, the body of Christ. So the church, we have these different members, but we have varied spiritual gifts that are bestowed by the same spirit. So therefore the results will be divine because they come from God. They don't come from us. We're not to manufacture. We're not to, to, to try to perform on our own or seek our own power. So in verses 15 through 20, what Paul's doing is he introduces a series of rhetorical questions and he does is because he wants to, to make this point. He wants to personify this direct point. And that is no one, no one member. I, I got to preach this to myself. None of us are good on our own and none of us will, will be able to be used by God the way in which the Holy Spirit intends us to be used if we're on our own. And with that being said, at the same time as as we are quote unquote serving and involved in church, and again, church isn't just going to a particular building with the logo and a name of the church with the pastor and the pulpit of the whole thing. The church universally is, an expression, even as we gather through this podcast, we are members of the church. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or we're in dwelt with the Holy Spirit. But when we are, whatever context looks like for you or me, we have to remember that not one member of the body, no one member, I should say, is more important than the other. God sovereignly chose each member's gifts. And he did this because he wants to bring out the purposes of what he's created us to do to unite and to glorify his holy name. That is why we shouldn't boast in our abilities, but we we are to be faithful in our responsibility to exercise our gifts in accordance to God's will for our lives. That, my friends, is the most important thing that we have to remember. So now when we actually see here what Paul does in verses 21 through 26, and he's talking about the eye cannot say then to the hand, I have no need of you and he's talking about parts that of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable and in how we present ourselves and he he even he even goes to the point of saying in verse 25 that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another and i love this and this is something i oftentimes use in conversations with people in the ministry if one member suffers verse 26 all suffer together and if one member is honored all rejoice together So again, it's a very common practice in the flesh when one person with their gifts, and it's typically the speakers, typically the public figure gets all the praise and accolades. And then when there's people that are marginalized or off to the side and have, quote, lesser gifts and they're suffering, nobody pays attention to this. And so this is a repeated concern of Paul's in the division that was being created and caused by so many Corinthians because they were basing off of special membership, uh, feeling superior than others. Remember, we're talking about a few podcasts ago when they would gather uh, for the Lord's Supper and they would have these fellowship gatherings and there would be a lot of people in the church that wouldn't even be invited because they were not of a certain class or profession or a certain bloodline. They didn't have these type of connections. And this is sad. This is a sad irony and we still have it today. I have it in my church because we're humans. When you gather together, you're going to see this. And so in this section in verses 21 through 26, Paul urges the Corinthians, hey, don't be feeling superior and disregarding people who feel inferior. And you're not just basing it off of their, their status. You're also basing that off of their, their gifts as though we are to judge that. So he's urging them to show mutual care and concern for one another as each member is necessary for the whole body to thrive. So the idea of one member of the body saying, I have no need of you. When we say that to one another, that's despicable. That is of the enemy. And there were growing debates at that time, just like they're in the church over the use of some spiritual gifts. When believers attack each other, when we attack one another, my friends, what do we do? We create harm with that division rather than helping one another. And so the entire church, okay. And I want you to think about the context of where you gathered to worship. Are you hindering the growth? I mean, we have a better, we working together, united together. Again, we will fulfill what the Holy Spirit has called us to do through the gifts that each one of us have. Now, some people have more gifts than others and the gifts will vary. And praise be to the Lord. Instead of being so fixated on, well, I wish I had this gift or I wish I was more like that person. My friends, if that's you, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse our mind and to get right with him. We can all fall short. We can all go into that direction. And we know it's not beneficial for us. So when when Paul was, when he says, you know, when we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, you know, he's even mentioning it's so interesting. He's he's even mentioning about private parts and how we clothe and protect, you know, um that those areas of our body. And he's talking about modesty. And in, in that this is, I don't want us to get discussed by there, be like, oh, that's that's inappropriate. No, I want us to see the main point of what he's saying. That we, we have to take care of one another. We have to honor one another. We have to appreciate one another. We have to show modesty in our relationships with one another. And so when you go back to this word suffering, it's amazing because uh, Josephus even mentions this type of phraseology. And Warren Wiersbe says each member needs the other members and no member can afford to become independent. When a part of the human body becomes independent, you have a serious problem that could lead to sickness and even death. In a healthy human body, the various members cooperate with each other and even compensate for each other with a crisis when a crisis occurs. Isn't that so true? And so as he ends, my friends, he goes in verses 27 through 31. We are to cooperate with one another. So I want you to consider right now, what are some of the needs around you? What are some of the things you've heard recently and the context of your church. I, I just, I would even say for me personally, you know, we get obviously running a ministry and have a lot of things that God has blessed us and opened the door for us to to train and disciple people in so many different outlets, I can't neglect my responsibility first and foremost in my home, in my church. And I'll be honest, there are times where I have, because especially like when I'm traveling and I'm doing so much, the last thing I want to do is teach in my church. The last thing I want to do is do something else that requires me to have to lead or do something. And and over time, by God's grace and with the help of people around me and good friends, good brothers and sisters in Christ, my wife and I have found a very healthy, productive place to say, these are my gifts. I need to serve and honor the Lord. It's not about me. It's It's not even about our church per se. It's about Christ. It's about the people that are in front of us. That's what it's about. And so Paul identifies specific gifts, emphasizing that even the seemingly less glamorous ones, they are critical. They are so crucial as we stand together because united we will stand, but divided we will fall. And this reinforces the idea that every member is valuable. So even if you're in context, you ask people, hey, what are your spiritual gifts? How can I serve alongside of you? Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, it's Christ who put all things under his feet. We're told that Christ is the head of all things. Christ is the head of the church. So even as a pastor, I'm saying this to pastors who listen to this podcast. We are not the head. You may be the shepherd with other elders who make up the leadership to oversee the affairs of the church, but we are not the head of the church. We are servant leaders. First Peter five, one through four. And we see the order that Paul lays out here from apostles to prophets to teachers, which matches the same outline that he puts in Ephesians 4 verse 11. Apostles were people, not like just in Paul's office as a special apostle, if you will, of that time period, but people who are going to be sent out with the gospel. Prophets, not like Isaiah and not like Daniel type prophets, but people in the church who are anointed to offer guidance in the church. And let me just say one thing. Because the next one is teachers and we need more teachers. We need people who bring clarity and instruction and in the teaching of God's word. And But before I look at Second Timothy 2 verse 2 in Galatians 6, 6, prophets today in the church, this isn't somebody who says, thus saith the Lord and it contradicts scripture. That's not a prophet, it's a false prophet. And it's clearly portrayed in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and Jeremiah 23. But what I'm saying is today, the sad reality and one aspect of the gifts in the church is how leadership disregards or are intimidated or envious or awkwardly not involved with people who have the gift of prophecy. And that's a shame because God has placed specific people with specific gifts to feed that church. And it's not just about the staff. And I'm, I've told that to so many people in my travels is not about you. You may be the leader of it, but you are to serve your volunteers who are in return are to serve the body of believers. So we need to keep that in mind. And the other thing here, when we see in Galatians 6, 6, it says, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So we're need to, we need to see this method of, of, of multiplicity take place. And then you see miracles, which is the ability to perform. We talked about this in the in the previous that he's, just, he's rehashing these miracle or excuse me, these gifts again in verses one through eleven of the same chapter. And this is somebody who can perform a mighty act through the Holy Spirit. And then there's healings. Okay. And and this is what's interesting because many Corinthians would offer sculpted body parts to a uh, slepius. Um and and it was a gesture of them that so they would craft at wood or whatever product they would have to mimic what air of their body or of a member of their family suffered with. And they would bestow that, that part of the body to the altar of this goddess. Um, and that's obviously very paganistic and very demonic. And so what Paul's pointing out is like, look, there are people in the church that are gifted by the Holy spirit to heal members of sicknesses. Now, sometimes the healing doesn't occur because of lack of faith or sin but that doesn't, that doesn't demote or disregard a person's ability to heal through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this was also a way to show that the power to heal doesn't come from idols at a pagan temple, but from God alone. And then there's people who have the gift of helping. They're designed to care and to support other people. There's, a, there's the people who have the gift of administrating um, various different responsibilities. So they have the gift of administration. They help order Okay. They help, they help to bring order and functionality. They help with logistics. Okay. When you have an idea, those people come alongside you and make it a reality. There are people with various tongues. They're able to speak a dialect they'd never learned. Um, and, and the whole thing at the end here that Paul talks about, you know, these higher gifts, gifts that do more to build up the church is what a higher gift is. And that's what they're designed to do. And I want you guys to consider that in your own life. And in a more excellent way, when he says, when you guys do these things, I'll show you a more excellent way. He's going to get that into that in chapter 13 about love. If you and I truly want to stand together, to be united, not to be divided, we have to come together in love So my friends, I pray that this has encouraged you. I want you guys to examine what your spiritual gifts are and seeing how you are functioning in your local church. And remember, if you are really wanting to grow in your faith and you have a child or a grandchild or a student in your school that would love to be a part of Summit Ministries, I encourage you guys to go to summit.org. And if you want $200 off, put in Stand Strong 24 before March 31st. If you're listening to this before March 31st of 2024, make sure you do that. Spots are filling up, but I'm encouraging you guys. I'm going to be there multiple times doing sessions in Manitou Springs, Colorado, as well as Georgia. And so I'd love to see you guys there. For more information, make sure you guys check out summit.org and also continue to pray that God will use you in your church and know that we're praying for you guys as well. To next time, keep standing strong in the Word of God.